Welcome to the Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of the Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with the shortest of all psalms as we pick up in Psalm chapter 117, verse 1. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. Beginning with Psalm 113, you have what are known as the Hallel Psalms, meaning the Psalms of praise. Hallel meaning praise in Hebrew, and Hallelujah, the Hallelujah, praise to Yahweh. So these are the Psalms of praise, 113 through 118. And they are the psalms that were traditionally sung at their holidays or at the feast days. The Feast of Passover, the Feast of Tabernacles, and the Feast of Pentecost. There were traditional psalms that were sung for each of these feasts. And so as we get into these psalms, 113 through 118. These are no doubt psalms that Jesus sang with his disciples. And I think it would be absolutely classic to be able to hear Jesus singing with his disciples these Hallel songs. Now, we do read on the night that Jesus was betrayed, when he celebrated the Passover supper with the disciples, it said, and after they had sung a psalm, they went out to the Mount of Olives. The psalm that they sang was probably Psalm 118 because that is the traditional psalm that is sung at the conclusion of the Passover feast. That, of course, is very interesting because Psalm 118 is a prophetic psalm of Jesus Christ that was to have its fulfillment that very day, or actually did have its fulfillment that week just before this took place. And thus, as Jesus was talking to them just before the Passover of the 118th Psalm, it was one that was very uppermost in their mind because this is one that was always sung at the Passover feast. So it is interesting as you read it to imagine and picture Jesus singing this particular psalm with his disciples. We begin with Psalm 117, which is the shortest of all the psalms. It is a psalm in which there is celebrated the universal reign of Jesus Christ who shall come to reign over all the earth. O praise the Lord, all ye nations. Praise him, all ye people. So this is the calling forth of universal praise unto him. Let everyone, it's not just for the nation Israel now, it's for the world, for all people, And the reason for our praise, for his merciful kindness, is great towards us. 
Oh, how thankful I am for the kindness with which the Lord deals with me when I am so often wrong. The merciful kindness with which he deals with me. And how often I find myself praising the Lord for his merciful kindness, for he has not rewarded us according to our iniquities. But as high as the heaven is above the earth, so high is his mercy over them that reverence him. Oh, the merciful kindness with which God deals with me in my weaknesses, in my flaws, in my faults. His merciful kindness is great towards us and the truth of the Lord endureth forever. Praise ye the Lord. So the Hallel Psalm, beautiful little psalm, calling forth for universal praise unto him. As we get into Psalm 18, the last of the Hallel Psalms, O give thanks unto the Lord. Again, the exhortation, praise and thanks. O give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, because his mercy endureth forever. Again, the cause of thanksgiving is the goodness of God and the mercy of God. How often in the Psalms we are called upon to give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his mercy. Let Israel now say, his mercy endureth forever. Let the house of Aaron now say, that his mercy endureth forever. Let them now that fear the Lord say, his mercy endureth forever. Now I called upon the Lord in distress. The Lord answered me and set me in a large place. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear what man can do unto me. Paul the Apostle in Romans the 8th chapter takes up much the same thing as he declares, who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God who is justified. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ who has died, yea, rather is risen again, and he is even at the right hand of the Father making intercession. Paul exclaims, if God be for us, who can be against us? Now, growing up as a child and growing up in church, somehow I did not always receive the concept that God was for me. I felt that God was against me many times, that he was just sort of waiting for me to make a mistake so he could punish me that he was ready to cancel me out of the kingdom. In fact, I felt that I was canceled out of the kingdom all the time. And I could hardly wait for Sunday night to come around so I could go forward and get saved again and get back into the kingdom. <laughs> because I really wanted to be a Christian. I really didn't want to go to hell. And in my heart, I really loved the Lord. And my spirit indeed was willing to serve the Lord, but my flesh was weak. 
And somehow a concept developed in my mind that God was against me. Oh, what Romans 8 did for my own personal Christian experience is hard to describe. When I discovered that God wasn't against me, but that God was for me. And that God wasn't laying anything to my charge. God wasn't charging my account with all of my failures and all of my weaknesses and failings. That God had stamped irrevocably on my account, justified. He wasn't finding fault, nor was Jesus Christ condemning me. Far be it from condemning me, he was interceding for me. Now, if I were good and perfect, he wouldn't have to intercede. I could stand before God in my own perfection. And I could say, here I am, Lord, perfect little me. The fact that he is interceding takes into account my weaknesses and my failures. The necessity for intercession. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ who has died, yea, rather is risen again, and is even at the right hand of the Father making intercession. What shall we say to these things? Oh, if God be for us, who can be against us? So here the psalmist. The Lord is on my side. How comforting that is. How reassuring that is. God is for me. God is for my part. God is on my side. Therefore, I will not fear what man shall do. Now, man condemns me. Man finds fault with me. I often find fault with myself and condemn myself. But I need not fear what man will do because the Lord is on my side. The Lord taketh the part with them that help me. Therefore shall I see my desire upon them that hate me. In other words, God is for me. He takes the part with those that help me. He becomes a part of those that are helping me. And therefore, we shall surely have victory over the enemy. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. Now, as I read that, I, I immediately, in my heart, that, that strikes a, a responsive kind of a, a chord. I say, yeah, that's sure true. Man's let me down so many times. The Lord has never let me down. Yes, that's so true. It's better to put my trust in the Lord than my confidence in man. And yet when I'm in trouble, I'm always looking for the help of man, the arm of flesh. And yet I realize that it's better to put my trust in the Lord than my confidence in man. How many times have I been discouraged and defeated though I had the promises of God? And then some man comes along and says, oh, I'll take care of that for you. And, oh, all right. Oh, praise the Lord. Glory to God. You know, it's all going to be taken care of. And I've put my confidence now in the word of some man that he's going to take care of it. 
There are certain people who have a penchant for making great promises that they are really not capable of fulfilling. Now, there are some who are just pathological liars and they'll make all kinds of promises and they, you know, they didn't even know they made the promise. I mean, it's just a quirk of their own nature. But there are other people who have sort of a quirk that they do make promises that when they make them, they really intend to fulfill them, but they just don't have the capacity to fulfill them. We've all met these kind of people too. And it's amazing how many people and how many times we've put our confidence in man and have been let down. Better to put your trust in the Lord than your confidence in princes. Now all nations compassed me about, but in the name of the Lord I'll destroy them. And then he just sort of amplifies on that. They compassed me about, yes, they compassed me about, but in the name of the Lord I will destroy them. They compassed me about like bees swarm of bees. They are quenched as the fire of thorns, for in the name of the Lord I will destroy them. Thou hast thrust sore at me that I might fall, but the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and song and is become my salvation. I love that verse. The Lord is my strength. I've learned to rely upon his strength. It doesn't say the Lord will give me strength. It says the Lord is my strength. He's my song. How many times I find myself whistling or humming or even singing when I'm not even aware of it. And, and when I become aware of it, I realize it's a, it's a song of worship or praise unto the Lord. And it's just thrilling to realize that it's just so woven into the warp and the woof of my own being that it's just a part of even the subconscious of my own life. The Lord is my song. I have no song to sing but that of Christ my King. To him my praise I'll bring forevermore. I have no delight in other songs. My melody of love to him belongs. And, and how glorious when we sing our praises unto him, he's become my salvation. The voice of rejoicing and salvation is in the tabernacles of the righteous or in the tents of the righteous. So you don't live in tents anymore, so in the houses of the righteous. There should be the voice of rejoicing in your homes. I think that music uh, has a tremendous influence and part in our lives. And I do feel that it, it is important that we surround ourselves in a, in a spiritual environment. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. If you sow to the flesh, you're going to reap of the flesh. If you sow to your spirit, you'll reap of the spirit. I think that it's valuable to have good music around the house. If you have a record player, I think that you should have the praise albums and, and just good 
Christ-centered music. Keep it in the atmosphere of your home because it's planting into your spirit constantly. And what you sow, you're going to reap. If you're constantly listening to my baby left me, you know, and it's gone and all this kind of stuff, you know, of the flesh, then you're going to be reaping that kind of stuff. But if we're sowing to the Spirit, it, it, it just has a, it's, it's just planting it into our hearts and into our lives. It's important that we do it. The right hand of the Lord is exalted. The right hand of the Lord doeth valiantly. I shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. The Lord hath chastened me sore, but he has not given me over to death. We are told in the scriptures we're not to despise the chastening of the Lord. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. Now, there is a vast difference between correction and punishment. God has ordained punishment upon the wicked, but he has ordained correction for his children. The correction comes in the form of chastisement. It was good for me that I was afflicted, we will read in the next Psalm 119. Good that God corrected me. It's a sign that I am his child. It's a sign that he does care about me. The chastening of the Lord. It is not penal. It is for the purpose of correction. Open to me the gates of righteousness. I will go into them and I will praise the Lord. This gate of the Lord into which the righteous shall enter, I will praise thee for thou hast heard me and art become my salvation. Now, I do not know but what the prophetic part of this psalm may begin with the 19th verse, open to me the gates of righteousness. I will go into them and will praise the Lord. For there is in Scripture other prophecies that relate to the east gate and the entering in of the Lord into the east gate. When Jesus made his triumphant entry into Jerusalem, he no doubt entered from the east gate because he came down from the descent of the Mount of Olives and went into the temple precincts. And the gate that went from the Mount of Olives to the Temple Mount was the East Gate. It was the one that entered right into the Temple Mount. So no doubt the gate through which Jesus entered when he went in on this triumphant entry. And in the 43rd chapter of Ezekiel, he said, and the, I was taken by the Spirit to the gate that is toward the east, and it was shut. No people were going in or out by it. For the Lord, he went in and out by this gate, and therefore it is shut, and actually it won't be open until the Messiah comes again, and he will enter in through the east gate, and he will eat bread with his people there in the porch of that gate. So the reference here to the gate could be 
the reference to the triumphant entry by which he came in to the Temple Mount through the East Gate. There is another Psalm 27 about the opening of the gates and the King of glory shall come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord uh, strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. And, and the Psalm of, of opening the gates in Psalm 27, which again seems to be sort of a prophetic, it's not 27 either, but seems to be a prophetic type of a psalm. 24, yes, it surely is. Lift up your head, O ye gates, and be ye lift up your everlasting doors. The King of glory shall come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O ye gates. Even lift them up, ye everlasting doors. The King of glory shall come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. We'll return with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of Psalms on our next broadcast. As Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible, and we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Psalms 117 through 118 when visiting the wordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's the wordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD. And our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today, P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of The Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. May the Lord be with you and bless you and keep you in His love and grace. May the Lord watch over you. And may you be filled with His Spirit and walk in the strength and in the power of the Spirit of God as He anoints you day by day. May you be enabled by Him, and may you enter into that fullness that He has for you, walking with the Lord, loving the Lord, listening to the Lord. Alert unto the Lord in these last days when the world around you is walking in its drunken stupor. May your mind and heart be clear and sensitive to God and to the things of the Spirit. In Jesus' name. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. It's with great honor that the Word for Today would like to present Pastor Chuck Smith's book entitled Prayer, Our Glorious Privilege. With great clarity, Pastor Chuck masterfully taught the principles of praying to God our Father and emphasized the power that belongs to each one of us when we rely on the Holy Spirit to guide and nurture our prayer lives. I want to encourage you to pick up a copy of Pastor Chuck's book, Prayer, Our Glorious Privilege, and study it to put these biblical principles into practice. 
Read this book and come to the most amazing realization that prayer is the most potent weapon in your spiritual arsenal and use it with great promise and hope. For when you begin a life of prayer, you begin a great adventure. To order a copy of this book in print or to download a digital copy, please visit thewordfortoday.org or call The Word for Today at 800-272-9673.